What's up guys? Back this month with another interview and I'm outside um, testing out these cool new lapel mics. So let me know in the comments what you guys think. I think they pick up kind of more sound. There's my dog in the background, some birds chirping and that kind of stuff. But I figured it'd be kind of cool to start doing these as I, as I start going on site with interviews a little easier than bringing the microphones. But we'll see how the quality turns out. Um, this month I was able to do a pretty cool interview with one of my buddies from undergrad. So his name is Manuel Storage, I call him Manny. We've been out of school for about six years now and I wanted to start doing more interviews with some of the people that I'm more peers with, some of the younger people who have really done quite a bit since we've been out of school. Um, I think now is sort of the point in the career where people kind of are a little bit more established, kind of trying to figure out how they want to grow in whatever space they're in, whatever industry they're in. Manny, he, he kind of was in the food world since I met him. He is the CEO of a company called Blackbird Foods. They do um, plant-based proteins, so they sell uh, seitan. They do a lot of like frozen pizza direct to consumer. They also sell quite a bit direct to restaurants that, that'll like uh, transform it and use it as like a raw material, like a meat replacement while, while they're cooking. I think that Manny has a very clear vision he's got a clear mindset he has the ability to have that personality that can really lead people and and have people understand what what the mission and goal of the company is so it was, it was something that was really interesting to listen to something i had not necessarily heard much about from before so um i'm excited to kind of get your guys's take on on what you thought and and you know in the future have a follow-up with with manny and, and see kind of where, where he ends up in his career and where, where they take this company going forward but other than that, hope you guys enjoy. Right, T. Manny, <clears throat> it has been a minute, my friend. It's good to yeah. see you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like we were talking before before the recording, basically the the concept of this whole project is is like I want to talk to a bunch of different people in a bunch of different sectors and kind of understand their career paths and trajectories. And someone like you who you know, you're still younger in your career, but have already done quite a bit and probably have like a lot of different, like your experience level is so much different than what I've experienced throughout my career. Right. Um, so I kind of want to like run through what you've, what you've done and sort of how you got to the the spot that you're at right now. Um, so, and, and I know, and I know a little bit about, about some of the stuff that you've done, but I want you to take me way back. Right. I want you to, so I know yeah. that in, in, in undergrad, you mm -hmm. always had like this passion of cooking and like gourmet food and like you did yeah. some really cool meals like in the apartments and that kind of thing. Can you take me back to like when you were really little and like sort of how your relationship with food was established in the first place? Was it like a parent, family, that kind of thing? I think so. So my mom was always into cooking growing up. It was just a big part of our family life was hospitality, welcoming people, you know, feeding them. Uh, and I just was drawn, always drawn to that from since when I was little. And yeah, we would cook together. I, I think probably in high school was when I really took an interest in like experimenting and trying stuff out on my own, watching things like Food Network. I was always obsessed with uh chopped when that yeah. came out and i yeah I, it was always a hobby though for me and yeah i did start before college definitely in high school 
it was a thing where if I would go to friends' houses or friends would come over, I would be the one to cook and make things for everyone to try. And it just started to progress. Definitely in college was when I started to realize that it could be a career for me as well and not just Mm -hmm. a hobby. Up until then, I had always been also growing up like reading books about startups. I just loved the idea of starting your own business and just um, the type of experience you could have, you know, running a business and creating something, creating a new product, creating something new, uh, bringing something to market just always interested me as well. I never, originally I had never connected food with that um, other passion of mine until probably college where I realized that, oh, I could actually combine these two passions. And that's um, how it pretty much got started. So for from like the business side, did you have, is anyone in your family entrepreneurial? Like how, who introduced you to that? Like how'd you figure out, out that you were even interested in that? Yeah, good question. My parents are not, I mean, my dad's a, a doctor, yeah. so... Uh, that did involve business, um, but no one was like you know an entrepreneur or anything like that. My sister, however, when I was starting college, she did join Kind, which the Kind yeah, Snacks, wow. which is everyone knows Kind Bars, um, which was their original product, and that was my first sort of insight into that sort of food startup space. Um, but other than that, I didn't really have, I don't think someone in my family or anything like that, that I was like, that introduced me to it. I don't know really where it came from. Wait, what's but. that? <laughs> um, so the CEO of kind of, he's on like Shark Tank, right? Da- uh, Daniel? Yeah. He's now what's on Shark name? Tank. Daniel Lubetsky. Yeah. Lubetsky. Have you met him? I have. Yeah. He's a really... He's a really nice guy. The way that he's portrayed on TV is honestly uh, what his personality is like in person. And yeah, I have had the opportunity to meet with him a couple of times and he's just a really great guy. <laughs> well, because like, I feel like his his businesses sort of overlap what you're currently doing, right? Like a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool though. Yeah, I mean, people like him... I, you know, I guess I wasn't even aware of what kind was until my sister started working there. It was still a pretty small company, but people like him definitely were uh, an inspiration to me. I think before that, though, in terms of business, I always looked up to more like high tech people, mm-hmm. um, like startup y, um, you know, like technology. And then yeah, I think once my sister started working at Kind, I realized, and that was Kind was really a big, uh, you know, it was new at the time. Like there wasn't, there weren't many startup food companies. They were really sort of one of the first people, for one of the first companies to be this, uh, you know, natural food or food product. In their case, it was like uh, snack bars. Uh, not you know they made nut bars and they were really marrying this natural food movement with cpg and before that you know most food companies unless i'm mistaken were 
just these large, you know, corporations. And so they were really one of the first to kind of break into that space. And um, after them started this whole flood of new product, new food companies and startups, which, you know, maybe I was just young, didn't know much about it at the time. But to me, I think was a big innovation at the time. Yeah, yeah, that is cool. Yeah, like, I I don't know a lot about about the the food startup world i think you're probably like the closest connection sure. to that world that i would have and i'm more my i'm more in yeah. like the the tech side of things i would say so it's yeah, kind of cool hearing <laughs> about like um they're just it's like they're all new it's like a new version of a business model right like you were saying it's like typically i guess they were mm-hmm. they were probably there were probably startups but they all get kind of consumed by these big conglomerates that own like frito-lay or you know that like that kind of thing yeah and especially in the snacking category which is where this all sort of started uh this i would say like the food startups you know market um it was all frito-lay pepsi um you know craft and nothing was really healthy i never i've never <laughs> worked for kind or anything but i guess i'm not like, speaking <laughs> yeah. on their but but i mean that was sort of your um, first introduction right like your sister mm-hmm. and you know that was sort of yeah that is cool yeah, and so they yeah, and so they really like started this new innovation within the natural food space of, of introducing like grab and go healthy op- you know, healthy options for people to have on, on the go. And um also, you know, their branding was a big part of it too. Um, you know, they were able to to create a lot of connections with consumers. And so I think a lot of other start food startups started to follow that lead in terms of you know better for you snacks better for you food products um you know raising money doing lots of marketing creating a lifestyle brand around it that you know is definitely a newer innovation within the past decade mm-hmm. or so that didn't really used to exist before um so yeah and i, I do want to i do want to i'll I'll circle back to that because there's a lot of there's quite a few things about your company right now that I want to touch on as far as marketing and that stuff goes. But let's let's take a step back to you essentially like in your in your timeline of your I guess young career like before probably before undergrad mm-hmm. you, you you sort of explained your introduction to the food world and so that's basically it was a a passion of yours a side hobby of yours. You get into the undergrad at Union right where we met. And I remember you had like, I remember it was, I don't even know if it had a name, but it was like, you would have these dinners at your, at your apartment. And it was like, oh man, if you get invited to Manny's for like a Friday night dinner, it was the best thing ever. Cause it was like gourmet, homemade, raw, like used to the classic, you know, cafeteria food or whatever. But, um, but you were just kind of doing that thing on the side just for friends, right? Just for fun, essentially. Yeah, I guess, so I guess the way it progressed was uh, after high school, I did a gap year in Tel Aviv where I just kind of continued my food passion where I would go to like the open air markets and start cooking for all my friends there. And uh, that was just like a big thing I would do almost on a daily basis. And yeah, once I got to Union, I guess I probably was a bit of a food snob and <laughs> didn't like the dining halls there. I was pretty vocal about how terrible the food was there. 
and started going to the farmer's markets there on Sunday. Yeah, we would cook a lot. And, you know, freshman year, we didn't have kitchens. But I think my sophomore year, I, I moved into the culinary house. Uh, off Well, it was part of campus housing. And, yeah, I would start cooking a lot. I didn't know it was such a coveted thing to be invited. Well, I, like, I, I, I like, kind of just, I vaguely remember it. You know what I mean? It wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, at the time, yeah. probably didn't really think about it. But, like, kind of looking back, I was, like, oh, yeah. Like, I remember, like, you made this ramen dish at one point, And, I'll, you know, just, like, little things. Like, these kind of small, small little. Yeah. Well, then, I'm just now remembering and then my sophomore year summer going into my sophomore year i interned for a startup peanut butter company so i think that was like i was starting to get like my toes wet into that space what what company was union i also it's called peanut butter americano it's a a peanut butter i guess at the time it was a startup wait one sec in phoenix i i think i actually know i think that the founder of that is on my list to interview because alistair my fiance is went to high school with her let me look uh denise malcoon yeah that's his sister the founder's sister wait is your fiance from arizona oh that's such a small world (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's crazy um We'll have to connect after. To, yeah. To maybe we can. Maybe she and I grew up in. in yeah, the same she she's from uh, like north northern Phoenix. We oh, kind of cool. bounced around. I'm from central, yeah. but not far from northern. So, anyways, anyways, um, sorry to distract, okay. but. <laughs> yeah. So I worked for him. So the founder of that of Peanut Butter Americana, which is very funny that your fiance is familiar with them, uh, is Jeff. Jeffrey, Jeff Malcoon. So he was, yeah, he was really kind. He took me under his wing that summer and he was, it was like a one man show for him at the time. He found a small manufacturer in Phoenix to make the product for him. And we would sell it at farmer's markets, literally just like driving around town to different uh, small like shops and stores to sell it at. And then, um, I would try to do like social media posting and stuff for him, which was pretty new at the Mm -hmm. time. Like brands being on like Instagram and stuff was, was pretty new. And then, um, how did you find them? I went like in the first place. Like, how did you, did you know him? I found them through a family friend in Phoenix who was really into like the whole farmer's market, like food space. And, uh, I was looking for an internship and the summer before I had worked at, uh, in sales at a telecom company, which like as an intern in Phoenix and it was, um, so boring. <laughs> I appreciate that the opportunity, but I would literally just sit at a desk and watch Netflix and would ask them for work. And then I would go like meet friends nearby, yeah. <laughs> I think like during the and then I was like, I can't do that again. I want to do something with food because I like food. Mm-hmm. My family friend introduced me to this guy who just was like, you know, sure, come help me out. I'd also like just like pack like our online shipping orders and stuff like that. And then um, then I went back to Union that year and started making bread 
out of Culinary House and we would start we started selling it on campus. And that was another fun project, but I wouldn't I mean it was a business, but it, I wouldn't it was kind of just like a side fun yeah. hobby. It wasn't like was it going to make an empire out but of Like that? all yeah. of these all of these small things are sort of building up to like it seems like at that right. point you were sort of realizing like I I, I do want to do something that I'm a little bit more passionate about, right? Like you're not going to go work for a telecom company or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I started to realize, you know, a lot of people at Union, such as yourself, at least were on the engineering track or, I mean, I studied economics, so people in my major were looking to work at big investment banks and number one, I didn't see the appeal. Number two, like, I don't even think I really understood what that meant mm-hmm. to go work at a big bank. <laughs> so I didn't, I wouldn't, didn't even know where to start. Mm-hmm with that and then you know i think i realized that i wanted to be in food of course and then i first was in the started working in like the restaurant world on in all my breaks so summer breaks uh winter breaks i would work for a chef in new york city who also took me under her wing which was really cool and i I mean, I really was interested in the business of restaurants, so I would, I contacted her after seeing her on Chopped, actually, and asked if I could intern for her, thinking that she had an office where she would run her restaurants out of, and she was like, you can come meet me in the city for an interview, but, like, I don't work out of an office, you can come work in my kitchen, and I was like, oh, okay, like, I can cook, I guess. So then um, I came down to the city one day, interviewed with her, and she's like, okay, come back in the summer and you can uh, start working in the kitchen. She had just opened a new restaurant in the West Village. And that's what I did, and that was crazy. I thought I knew how to cook at the time, but I showed up and, like, they put me at a station. I thought I'd be, like, a prep cook or something, but I had my own station called Garmanger, which is like sort of the the small plates and salads and appetizers and stuff like that. It was a really small kitchen, though, like a little tiny West Village restaurant. There was about three of us plus the plus like the sous chef who does the expedited meal, calling the orders and stuff in the kitchen. So it wasn't like this big kitchen where you just had one small job. It was a lot. And um it was a lot of fun my first day there i wasn't afterwards i was in so much pain i never had realized like the amount of physical um you know toll that working in a restaurant in the kitchen has on you so your like knees hurt your back hurts you're like smell like oil and just like are sweaty and you finish you know especially in restaurants in new york like you get home maybe at 1 a.m. if you're lucky and um, just get up the next day and do it all over again and that I did that for like a few summers or something and that was really really fun I learned like a lot about how to cook how restaurants worked I interned ended up interning in her business operations for her uh, the owner's fast casual chain as well so um, at that point I was really into the restaurant space and I really also admired 
Danny Meyer, who owned founder of Shake Shack, but at the time was the owner of several fine dining restaurants in New York and was is one of the few, I'd say, like restaurateurs who just has a really good business sense and also a good culinary um, and concept and food sense as well. And so I thought I had one. I thought I would want to go into restaurants. But, you know, the lifestyle of a chef and the um, phys- the physical toll and the lack of money that chefs make and everything was really deterred yeah. me from going that route. So that's when I started to explore this new, you know, food CPG product space. So, so you were doing basically that, that was through almost senior year, right? As like a summer, summertime thing of undergrad. Yeah, that was through, I would do, yeah, like through senior year, even like our winter break and stuff, I would come down to the city and work. For so, so year. are these restaurants that like I, I would have heard of her, her restaurants? Um, so right now, so the chef, her name is Aina Admoni. She owns Balabusta and it's like, uh, Israeli Mediterranean, um, sort of mod- modern take on a lot of, you know, a lot of those foods. She at the time had my first time working for her. She had opened up a new restaurant called Bar Bolanat, which was in, um, the West Village Meatpacking District. And that was like a modern take on Israeli food, which was really cool. And now she she had to open up a couple of other places in between, but now she just has that spot, Balabusta. And she has a restaurant chain called Taim, which is a fast casual, like, you know, Israeli street food yeah. type, of, type of restaurant. And it's pretty popular here in New York. They also like recently opened in DC and a couple other spots. Um, so yeah, I, I think if you lived here, you would probably know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So, yeah. so basically that was like, that experience was like what told you, Hey, I'm, I'm probably not going to be a chef, right? Like I'm not going to be maybe, well, maybe, maybe a restaurant owner, but probably not a chef or something like that. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think I still probably have a dream of opening up a restaurant someday, yeah. <laughs> but it will be, as of right now, a passion project down the yeah. line when hopefully one day I have enough time and money to to do that for fun. Because <laughs> that's like, that's a pretty well-known thing, right? Restaurants is, in order to make a restaurant profitable is a very, very difficult task, right? Like, Right. Yeah, I don't think, I think... You know, people, especially restaurants came to light, or I guess the restaurant business really came to light recently during the pandemic. Uh, I I think it's a mistake that even restaurateurs or restaurant owners or chefs themselves do is is call restaurants a business. (laughs) Unless you're opening, unless you own a restaurant chain of, you know, something that's scalable, I think it doesn't really make sense to call restaurants business, like necessarily businesses because you can't really, can't really scale with one location of a restaurant. And 
the point of a business is to scale, you know, grow your, you know, have high margins eventually, you know, like lower your cogs, you know, uh, grow your, you know, increase efficiency. And like the point of a, uh, the point of a fine dining establishment is to make something really creative and spend a lot of time on it and have intricate dishes. And so you don't really want to, in order to create something amazing, um, focusing on like your fine, you know, your costs of goods and, and everything like that and efficiency doesn't translate into, you know, a unique product Mm -hmm. that people want to go and enjoy. And so unless you're opening like a fast casual spot where everything is uniform and you have, you know, a few items on the menu that are really popular and you're able to like have one central processing commissary location that everything is prepared out of and distributed to all the restaurants. Like that is a business, but you know, a fine dining restaurant, I don't think should be considered necessary. Of course it technically is a business, but it's not something that's like scalable. And, um, that obviously came to light recently during the pandemic when, you know, after two weeks of being closed, restaurants uh, being shut down, like restaurants had to close because none of them had the resources to survive, which makes sense because you're relying on a constant stream of customers and those creative, you know, dishes and everything yeah. to, to feed your Margins business. are just so, so slim in that, in that world. Yeah, like I would squeeze, when I worked in restaurants, I would squeeze lemons by hand and peel oranges and slice the zest like this thin and everything had to be exact and like, you know, very and done in a very, you know, precise way, artistic way. And there's a lot of experimentation, like there, what efficiency and scaling is not like the at the forefront of what you're trying to do especially restaurants who are working towards a james beard award or michelin star Mm -hmm. you know you're like developing really intricate like techniques and dishes and everything like that where cost is not really at what the forefront of what you're thinking about um so i think of it more of an art than a business i guess yeah makes sense so okay so someday maybe you'll go back in that direction you know if 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 life takes you in that direction but so for right now you basically you you do some of those internships throughout throughout your summers through college and then Mm -hmm. tell me about how you found your first job out of undergrad yeah so right so um once i realized that i started to look at different food startups um, you know, at that point, when so as I mentioned, my sister had started working at Kind. You know, it was I think she was like there. It was still a sizable company when she joined, but it was still in that startup phase. And um, I wanted to. By the time I graduated college, it was much bigger. I was looking to join something similar to her when she joined Kind, <laughs> just a cool startup with a great product that I could, you know, learn all facets of the business, not have this like strict role or anything like that. And I came across uh, Simply Gum, 
which is a natural chewing gum company, or at the time that was their only product, the natural chewing gum. And um, I was really fortunate. I was like maybe the fourth hire there. And we had a cool little office within an office in Soho. Uh, we were manufacturing the gum by hand in a small facility in Long Island City, New York at the time. And we were probably in just, you know, a handful of stores. Um, and we had like, you know, the first iteration of the products were in existence. Uh, so I really got the chance there to see, experience every facet of, of a business in terms of manufacturing, scaling, marketing, distribution, you know, the whole grocery retail space. We were even selling to all these other types of retailers like Urban Outfitters and Anthropology and like some of these cool alternative chains. So I really got to experience such a wide range of, of things there. Um, which really set me up for my current role, which we could get into. <laughs> but uh, that was my experience at Simply Gum, which was definitely not something, you know, it, it's you have to really be the type of person who's willing to join that type of company and have, you know, be comfortable just like figuring out things on the go and, you know, Googling a lot and, and you know, being wi being willing to like take – a lot a lot of responsibility on um but that was what i was interested in and so that's you know really i had a really fortunate experience there of getting to learn the entire industry so i mean you that's your first job out of school right and you said your dad's a, a doctor which you know did you get any pushback i mean like joining a startup is like a risky thing in any sector right let alone like a food startup which is probably even more risky than like a a well-funded tech startup or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, did you mm -hmm. think about any of that kind of stuff? Like when you were first thinking about joining? Um, I mean, luckily my family and parents have always been supportive of my siblings and myself of whatever we want to do. So, you know, my dad had always said, even like as of a few years ago, that it's not too late to go to medical school. <laughs> but I, like that none, none of my siblings or myself obviously have become doctors and they're fine with that yeah. um so there was no pressure really like that to um do any like become be in any sort of profession specific profession um we were always just encouraged to do what we were passionate about which is mm -hmm. nice and um yeah, I mean, given that we, I had just graduated college and we were young, like, I didn't feel like there was much risk in joining a startup, of, you know, uh, luckily, yeah, I always had the support that if I failed or some, you know, if, if I was trying, what I was trying to do didn't work out, like, I always had something to fall back, you know, like a support system, Yeah, yeah. Uh, which not everyone has, which is um, something that yeah, definitely appreciate it. Yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. Cause like, you know, I've thought about, you know, either you kind of either pick, you go bigger company, big name, or you go smaller company startup. But with a startup, you have the ability to, you know, it's sort of more of a gamble, but more of a bigger 
pay out at the end, right? That's a lot of people's goals. I want to get equity and that kind of thing. So was there, was that a, a part of your decision as well? Yeah. I mean, just speak, just like the type of person I am and what I was looking for in a, in a role was, um, a job, you know, to join a company where I could have that ownership mentality and be, you know, like we were given stock options, like you are in a lot of startups. So, um, yeah, it was just, that was the type of thing I was looking for. Some people definitely do want to join the bigger companies and, or, you know, in my case, a lot of our friends wanted to join a big bank and just try to make a ton of money at right out of college and, you know, grow, you know, uh, move up the corporate ladder. And that just really did not appeal mm -hmm. to me. So I was, yeah, excited for an opportunity like this. Cool. Yeah. So how many years did you end up working for Simply Gum? About four, four years. years. So at the end of the four years, what was your position? Right? You were employee number four. I'm assuming they were much bigger by the time you had left, right? Yeah, so I had joined as, I think my role was a hybrid of like operations and marketing coordinator. And it started off being more under marketing. And then, as, and you know, like when you're younger in college, like marketing just sound, always seems cool. Mm -hmm. And it is. But, <laughs> you know, then you join, then at least in my experience, I was like, well, ac actually my background in restaurants and food service is way more operations focused. And I was actually the, really one of the only people at the company at that time who had a food background, even though it's not like I had an extensive food background, I would just got out of college, but I had always been interested in like learn the restaurant industry and how to make things and, and stuff like that. So when it came to like, product development and operations and manufacturing like to be honest I had a lot more experience than other people in the company who didn't have that sort of background mm -hmm. so like in some like my first also when it came to like HR and managing employee like that type you know that um, you know workers in our in our manufacturing facility like that is all very similar to how restaurants work and so I had some of that background. So literally in my first few weeks, I remember kind of just kind of being thrown in the ring when it came to our, you know, operations and manufacturing. So yeah, my job started as like a hybrid where I was doing a lot of marketing initiatives and a lot of operations. It progressed to uh, like operations manager, senior operations manager. And that's what I was when I left. Cool. And 20, yeah, just at the end of 2019. So you're, you've worked there for four years and explain the transition to me from working at a startup that you're probably comfortable and you've got your stock options and that kind of thing to, to leaving. Um, yeah, I was happy where I was. We had grown a lot. I had, we were nationally distributed in Whole Foods. When I was there, we got into like the Publix. We were in Kroger, tar some Target stores. I had been working on just like some, it was just like, you know, I was there for four years and we had grown so much. I got to experience 
a lot of cool opportunities from that. And I think at a certain time, you know, things become, you know, I guess people just want change. (laughs) And so um, I wasn't really looking to leave, but um, I had come across the found some of the found you know founders who I part ended up partnering with at Blackbird, my current company, who um, had were also restaurant people, and had developed some cool products that they were selling to some other restaurants and some cool retail products, both in the plant based realm, which was starting to become really trendy at the time, and um, they were looking for somebody to take kind of like turn what they had created into a full scale business. They had their own like restaurants and stuff at the time. So no one was really focusing on these products and no one had created like a full rounded business out of it. Um, So I joined, partnered up with them at the end of, you know, 20 end of 2019 to try to like make this into a brand in a full-scale company yeah yeah i mean that was like it it seems like a a big jump right you essentially stepped into like the ceo role of this of this small company right yes so i mean to anyone that's a big a big jump if unless you're running a company somewhere else but luckily at simply gum um like again, unlike a, a company where there's an accounting department and a marketing department, IT, like we were a really small team. So I got to do literally everything from like I knew how invoicing work worked. I, you know, set up distribution for us in Canada and had a file for, you know, business licenses there and everything. Um, you know, I knew exactly how distribution distrib- distribution worked how to get a product to the shelf how to create upc codes for new products like i luckily had experienced all of that i literally sat right next to our ceo every single day Mm -hmm. in our office like our desks were literally touching so even when she would have phone conversations with about things or meetings with people like i was just like my, I was listening in yeah. on everything. Yeah, soaking it up. Um, and so I knew it was something I was capable of. Like I felt like I had the right experience um, to do it. There were definitely some surprises and still are to this day. But, you know, it's not like I was taking over. Uh, it's not like I was taking over an established, you know, company with, dozens of employees it was really just um a product that was you know ready to go to market and i um felt like my experience was super relevant yeah. to to um to do it and and i was excited like i i was i was excited to create a brand out of something and to you know essentially you know work for myself in a way and hire my own team and do things the way like I wanted to do them. Yeah. So that's how I got started. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean like from like a, 
you you very quickly built like the skill set that you need like as far as time goes typically like a a normal CEO role, it takes a lot longer to build the skill set. I think you kind of, you started at a very young age building the skills that you eventually would need for this current role way, way faster than, than what would normally be expected. Right. Perhaps. I mean, like I'm definitely still growing in my role. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wouldn't say I've, you know, peaked or know everything at all. We're still, you know, growing and, um, learning every day and you know if i if someone handed me the keys to ibm tomorrow i would have literally no idea what to do so it's very specific role you know it's a very specific role being the ceo of like you know kind of starting something from scratch and Mm -hmm. and growing it like i think that's as of right now where my experience really lies and i hope to learn a lot more as we continue to grow and hire more people and, mm-hmm. you know, grow distribution. So there's still a lot to learn, but yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think I was just always really focused on my career path and knew what I wanted to learn. And, um, you know, like even in college, as you mentioned, I wasn't like a big partier or anything. I was always, you know, following my hobbies mm-hmm. and, and like focusing on, that kind of thing but um yeah yeah well because like you know you build you build the skill set right and then like as far as you as a person right like your personality temperament mindset ability to learn this type of role I feel like really fits this role and niche this market like very very well like you're very very specific puzzle piece right like the mannies of the world are not there's not a bunch of you running around (laughs) right so it's very it's very lucky that you kind of just happened to find this these partners who also happened to have this product that was ready to yeah. go right there is a lot of luck to every to everything yeah um i have you know you have to be at the in the right space place at the right time i think being in new york is a big part of that mm-hmm. um i don't know if you can do something like i mean you can and people do it all the time but um to me like new york has a lot of resources to be able to build a brand relatively quickly and yeah I think like every type there's personalities that Matt that go with all different types of CEOs or people who are entrepreneurial and you know wanting to really you know grow something from the ground up personally I'm more way more reserved than some CEOs but um i think like i try to use my personality as a uh, advantage in like what i do so there's a ton of ceos who really market themselves as their brand and are you know really just like out there and really extroverted that's not really my personality which is something that i do try to be more of but um i'm really like logistics and operations focused which is often something that's in the background that not everyone sees and i think like that's one piece of a company that um that you know the people who typically i think the ceos and and people like that who are really out there and you know publicly their companies often lack a 
a lot in terms of like the operations and logistics. So I think both are really vital components to a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think some, yeah. So I think like what my, where my skill set and personality lends itself to is that like structured and logistics operation side. Definitely. I'm always trying to learn more and be better about the public facing side, which is re- also really important to a business. Um, but yeah, I just try to use Well, you're practicing what, for that right uh, now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. This podcast interview. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I try to be better, you know, to be better about that is definitely, um, is something I'm always working on. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, I think like that's where my personality lies. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, do you ever feel like there, do you, do you struggle with any of the like imposter syndrome, the age stuff? Like, does that ever get to you? Like, I feel like if I were in your position, that would, I would always kind of doubt myself. I'm so young. I don't, am I supposed to really be the guy that's supposed to lead this team? That kind of stuff. Luckily, no. Yeah. People talk about imposter, imposter syndrome a lot. I feel like, Honestly, I know enough about this industry to not have that feeling, Mm -hmm. or I'm sure there are people who know a lot about different industries who do still have that feeling, but I don't have that per se, but I mean, definitely like we were just at a really big trade show in California and because I also look pretty young, I am 29, which I guess is young, but I think people also say I look young. So if I said I was the CEO and people came by our booth, like they kind of, like they didn't expect right. it. And people would like comment like, oh, but you're so young. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but um, it doesn't really bother me at all. I mean, it is kind of an interesting dynamic when I'm hiring people or, you know, or like contracting diff- people in different services and you know they sometimes like someone who's like 60 years old is trying to win over our business and i'm the one handling that it is definitely is a bit i guess awkward when dealing with um you know like that sort of dynamic Mm -hmm. but um it doesn't really bother me to be honest yeah i feel like that's that's probably why you're where you are right like if you had like that that in the back of your that self doubt, I feel like it would just make your job ten times harder, you know. Yeah, but. definitely. Okay, so so take me to when you first started with Blackbird, right? You you find these partners, yeah. they've got this product. I mean, what's your what's your first move? Like, how do you, how are you starting this thing? What's your game plan? Yeah, no one gave me. There was no like instruction manual. Um, these partners had entrusted me with like taking over the business essentially and this was also in january january 2020 right before the pandemic which obviously i didn't know at the time but um yeah i remember just like sitting down the first day opened my computer actually it was my roommate's laptop because mine was broken and my new work computer hadn't arrived yet and i was just like what do i like what do i start like where do I (laughs) begin um so I just started like emailing people I had to like learn 
about the products more. I had to like we do have our own manufacturing facility here in in Long Island City, Queens, and so that you know I would spend a lot of time there learning the processes of how we make everything, who all the workers are. Um, you know that is my background, so I was definitely like trying to figure out how to improve on all of our processes and make things more efficient and blah blah blah. We had like very very little money in the bank, so I didn't have resources like some startups do to just like go out and hire people or like buy machinery. Like had no budget for that, so I was like, well, I guess I just need to start focusing on sales and like growing the actual you know brand you know distribution. So I literally was like pounding this the pavement, going to di- meeting with different restaurants because we do. So at that time, most of the business was supplying restaurants. So I would um, go and sell our seitan, which is our wheat, you know, wheat-based protein. It's a plant-based meat. I would sell it to different restaurant owners. You know, literally carry around samples in my backpack and just like handing them out and telling them how to use it. And then COVID happened. Literally less than three months after I started and restaurants shut down and I literally had no idea what to do then we do but our in terms I guess for the listeners we make seitan which is as I mentioned a plant-based meat we also make plant-based frozen pizzas that are all hand tossed um, made with like overnight rising dough just like super high quality um, pizza uh, frozen pizzas that's not really um, what you find, you know, not really what you find in, in the grocery store at the moment, unless you're buying our products or a couple others. And so, um, we had these like retail products, but most, as I mentioned, most of the business was selling to restaurants. So I just was like, okay, what do I do? These are perishable items, but maybe we can just start selling them online and shipping them to consumers on dry ice. So basically overnight, like once everything shut down. I just started um, like on Squarespace building out a website in an e-commerce store. And before that, just even taking orders from people via email and like sending them an invoice online, which is really like a weird uh, experience for consumers. I think it's like... They just send your money in an envelope web. to this address like <laughs> yeah i was like here's a quickbooks invoice and we'll give me your shipping address um so we started like doing that off of our instagram just like offering that to to, to followers and then i was like okay we need like a, a d2c website so i just started building that online and um that started that actually did pretty well in our in the first month and i was like okay like this pandemic doesn't seem to be going anywhere so I think we need to really start focusing on our retail brand and our retail products and like getting into grocery stores so yeah we just I just started like emailing buyers distributors here in New York um again like this was all remote right I couldn't really no one was meeting anyone in person so I was really just like leveraging whatever contacts I had or just calling around and like figuring all that Mm -hmm. out and we just started growing from there and that's been like the main focus of our business the past two years uh so eventually a year later after that all happened um we got into like the two largest natural food distributors in the u.s 
got into started getting into like real grocery chains, starting with Erwan, which is a really popular uh, store in Los Angeles, and got into Whole Foods in the Southwest region, which is their flagship region, and uh, a bunch of other chains like Kings here in the Northeast, Fairway. You know, like it just started clicking and and started growing like that, and luckily. Along the way, I was able to raise money, so we I was able to hire, uh, start hiring a team of, of you know for marketing and sales and operations. I was able to start buying machinery to like scale and build up our manufacturing. Um, so yeah, that's really just been it's just been like, go 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 since uh, March or April of twenty twenty. So have you? pivoted back at all to continuing to to have restaurants as as customers or are you just direct to consumer now yeah yeah so um we have i mean restaurants as of last year was still 40 percent of our business and there's still a ton of opportunity for us there and now that we're kind of entering this endemic phase it seems like and obviously in most cities everyone's gone back to to almost business as usual we definitely are starting to refocus our efforts there um, it's definitely a challenge trying to grow two different you know sides of the business one is the branded uh, grocery you know retail product the other is selling to restaurants and colleges and universities which are, they're just like two completely separate worlds mm-hmm. um, but luckily yeah now um, we have the resources and everything like that to start finding and hiring the right people for that. So do you, it seems like it's hard, like you're almost selling like a raw ingredient to the restaurants, right? So it's hard to market your own mm-hmm. product. It's not like you're, it's not like on their menu, they're saying blackbird seitan is, well, they might be, but like, it seems like it's probably more of a seitan dish. It's not your product versus like your, your pizzas are clearly your your product is that is that right. like a an issue um so some some restaurants so luckily because we have built this retail brand um we have been able to build brand equity as mm-hmm. well so luckily some restaurants love to name our product on their menu especially here in new york for, around where we're most familiar to people um but yeah like you said i mean most restaurants are not naming the ingredients they're using on their menu, like what where they come from. So a lot of the time it is just, you know, Satan, you know, listed on a menu and it's not um, necessarily our uh, brand that's that's labeled, but we're able to win their business just because of the quality of the product. Yeah. Um, Satan is uh, a wheat, you know, a plant-based protein that's existed for over a thousand years. But everyone who manufactures it in the U.S. or sells it in the U.S. is selling like this cheaply made chewy rubbery product that doesn't really resemble meat. And the way that we make it is super different and um, results it's super high quality and results in this meaty texture. And it's super versatile, too. So we've found a good niche for ourselves selling to these higher end uh, independent restaurants that don't want to use like just an impossible burger or like a chicken nugget that you just heat up and serve. Mm -hmm. But with our product, um, because it is more of an ingredient, 
at least for what we sell to restaurants, it's um, something they're able to really manipulate and create something unique right, out they of. Change the dish. Uh, so that's yeah. Really, yeah. So that's where we've really been able to resonate with that type of market. Can you explain? And you don't have to obviously go into any of your guys' IP and that kind of stuff. But like, how do you how do you mm-hmm. make it in kind of in general? Yeah. So. As I mentioned, seitan is wheat protein. So most companies, like other brands that you see in the U.S. that are calling something seitan, they're using what's called vital wheat gluten, which is just a dehydrated gluten powder. And they're just kind of like adding water and spices to it. And it comes out as like this dense sort of low-fee like product. Mm. Um, And it's not very good. But what we act, what we do, which is different, is we're actually starting out with wheat itself and extracting the protein from it. Won't go into all the details, but we have we prepare it, then process it in a way um, that is number one supernatural, um, but also results in like this very meaty meat-like texture that um, you know customers and chefs are able to use to really replicate some you know dishes that they would normally make with animal protein Mm -hmm. um so that's really the main thing the main way we differentiate is how we actually make this product versus uh what was already on the market yeah is i I know very little about this space so i'm I'm just curious like is is it (laughs) I know people are worried about like the beyond meat and the impossible meat mm-hmm. having just a lot more chemicals and that kind of stuff. Like it is, is seitan like actually healthier for you versus like a, a the, whatever it's, it's substituting from a meat. Yeah. So a couple things on that in terms of seitan, it is a very healthy protein. Um, it's about, I think a 20 to one ratio of protein to fat. And you know, some of these other products, including animal products, are high in saturated fat and sodium and things like that. But speaking to defend the plant-based products like Impossible and Beyond, um, they're doing a couple things. So number one, whatever they're doing is much cleaner than what you're getting from a animal-based burger mm-hmm. or, you know, actual chicken (laughs) and um you know in those industries they're polluting the environment like crazy they're using tons of water um they're treating animals poorly they're treating their own workers poorly um so any plant-based almost any plant-based i won't say any but almost any plant-based product you consume is likely going to be somewhat healthier better for you than um, what you're getting from real animals, mm-hmm. but also um, I think what the those some other brands are trying to do, such as Impossible and Beyond, is create a product that um, is not necessarily meant to be better for your health, <laughs> but also um, are there to su- substitute out the meat. So they are not something you'll necessarily eat every single day because it is high in saturated fat and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But if you want to, if you're craving a burger, you're definitely able to have impossible or beyond um, like once or twice a week or whatever. And that's 
better for the environment. It's probably better for your health and um, better for the animals. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like seitan is probably a, a more niche product in comparison to like a burger or a chicken nugget, right? So like you guys are t- you guys are sort of tackling a different a different sector within the the plant based meat, right? Yeah. Yes and no. So, well, as our company and, and uh, product offerings grow, we're definitely looking to use our Seitan as a, a you know platform for new innovations in the plant-based meat market. Um, and then when it comes to you know what other brands are doing, like honestly, a lot of Brands are using seitan already and disguising it as chicken or beef or mm-hmm. pork. So even though like a product might say, or even if you take the recognizable brands such as Impossible, Impossible or Beyond, um, which I know at least Impossible I believe uses pea protein, like they're not calling it pea protein patty. They're just calling it a burger yeah. or you know or uh, you know, whatever their brand is called. So um, that's really what seitan is. Is I mean, it's it's wheat protein. Um, it, it's called seitan. That's its original name. But you can already use it as like a plant, like restaurants of, that we partner with, for example, are already using it as a plant-based chicken, for example. Um, they're not calling it seitan, but um, that's kind of, yeah, how we kind of see this market going. So what's your, I mean, it sounds like you guys are just continuing to expand your your direct-to-consumer and also into different wholesalers as well as like uh, grocery stores and chains and that kind of thing. What's your long-term vision, I guess, for, for the company itself? Yeah, I think we want to be, I mean, we want to be everywhere. <laughs> so the long-term vision is to, well, we're pretty soon we're gonna number one start launching some new products that are, in as I mentioned, in that plant-based meat realm, but might be more familiar to consumers than just a plain branded like a product that's labeled as seitan. Mm-hmm. Um, as you mentioned, like seitan is still pretty niche. It's somewhat comparable to tofu, which is the soy you know cousin of it. It's tofu is soy protein. Somehow tofu has been able to get into every grocery store in the world, in the, in the country. Um, and everyone knows what it is. Not everyone yet knows what seitan mm-hmm. is. So our goal is to um, familiarize consumers with what it is, to grow our product offerings, um, to, to introduce consumers to seitan and um you know how versatile it is and also overall as a brand we're looking to develop more and more products that are like the plant-based versions of lots of you know comfort foods Hmm. so um that's really what you know we do have a line of these plant-based pizzas they're super indulgent um everyone loves pizza it is new york style uh some you know just something that's really good to eat and we don't want consumers to ever have to compromise when choosing to go plant-based and so um yeah we see our brand definitely going in that direction and hope you know hoping to become like a more broader uh focused and attractive 
brand and product to like all types of consumers. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, I feel like I always see your, your guys' ads and some stuff on Instagram and it's like, you've definitely got a, uh, like a pretty killer marketing either team or whatever. Cause I just feel like, like I, I would pick, <laughs> I would pick that over like if it was, you know, if, if, if there was a, a Blackbird pizza shop around here and I saw your guys's pictures yeah. or whatever versus just any other pizza shop, it would, it wouldn't even cross my mm -hmm. mind that it was Satan or whatever. Right. It would just, yeah. it would just be pizza and you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that's what we're trying. That's definitely what we're trying to do. So especially when we talk to buyers and trying to convince them to put our product in the grocery store is I think up until now, consumers have been asked to sacrifice a lot on taste or even quality when it comes to some of these products. And we want to go up against the, you know, conventional pizza brands against like any conventional, even meat product. We don't, we want consumers to want to eat our products because they taste really good, not just because they're plant-based or, um, you know, health, not even healthier. Like we want them to just have the same amount or even more enjoyment from eating our products than the, you know, animal based counterparts. Right. Cause it's like, I'm not, I wouldn't, if you could replace a chicken nugget or, you know, for, as an example, and I couldn't tell if it was chicken or plant-based, it's mm -hmm. not like I'm like pro chicken, you know what I mean? Like I, it doesn't matter to me it, mm -hmm. as long as it tastes the same, exactly. then it doesn't matter. And I feel like a lot of people are probably that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's how we feel, especially when it comes to pizza. You know, we have pizza with our plant-based meat toppings. We also, all of our pizzas, um, you know, have plant-based cheese on them. And so if we're able to convert consumers to want to eat our products more than pizzas and, and you know, that have regular cheese, you know, animal-based cheese on it, then we're doing our job. Mm -hmm. Our goal is not just to have vegan existing vegans eat our products we really want to appeal to a more broad uh base than yeah well that's awesome man i mean i feel like you've been doing a killer job leading this company and, and kind of growing everything i can i'm just watching from afar and i'm excited to see kind of where you where you guys and your team obviously take it um but you know i kind of want it this was this was sort of a baseline my goal is maybe we do this again in five years and see what happens and you know what i mean like because a lot a lot can happen in a very short time seeing as you have already had to pivot the company a couple times right so it's like you never know what's going to be what's yeah. going to be coming next and you know yeah definitely check in in a few years and hopefully i'll have a lot more to report yeah yeah definitely <laughs> make a follow through on what i promised on this podcast <laughs> um so one thing that the way that I've been trying to, to wrap these up and how and I how I kind of mm -hmm. plan on growing it from from my point of view is um, I always yeah. ask people, you know, is there anyone in throughout your journey so far that you've met that you think I would enjoy talking to kind of in this same format, like someone that you might admire someone that, you know, from a business perspective has done some cool stuff or anyone that pops in your mind. I'll have to think about yeah. that one, but there's definitely a ton of people I could introduce you to um, who I've met who might not even be um, like someone everyone would recognize, but would have done a lot of things that people are familiar with, mm -hmm. uh, and they might they they just might not realize that's someone something someone's job in the industry or yeah. like. Um, 
they were behind the scenes on something too. So let me definitely think about it. Yeah, because I feel like you've already met quite a few cool people just in your line of work and you know what I mean? Like Yeah, I have for yeah. sure. <laughs> um but yeah, I can definitely uh connect with you about yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, I appreciate it. I know this has been this has been long, but I like these I like these no, like detailed and I can kind of really figure out how your brain works and, and what you've been up to, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hope I didn't go off on too many tangents. No, this but, is good. Uh, this is good. You have the perfect great. temperament to be a successful CEO. I can already tell. Oh, thank <laughs> you. You can tell that to our board. <laughs> All right, man. Well, do you have anything else that you want to plug or say before we close things out? No, I mean check out our check out our products on blackbirdfoods.com or we're also blackbird underscore foods on Instagram. So check it out order it find it in a grocery store near you and let us know what you think all right man well here let me let me close out this recording real quick 